You're listening to Digging In, where we dig into the insurance topics, trends, and news surrounding all things agribusiness. Here is your host, Bruce Droz. Hello, everybody. This is Bruce Droz. I am the uh, Vice President of Agribusiness for Alliance Insurance Company, and I'm here today with Seth Madnick, who's Managing Director of our Capital Group. And Jay Thibault, who's Program Underwriting Manager in the Captive Group as well. Today, we're going to talk about uh, captives a little bit, which is the area of expertise of our, our guests here today. And I'd like to start off the conversation by asking a question. Now, we've heard a lot about pretty big increase in captive formations recently, presumably as a result of the tough insurance marketplace that we're all dealing with. What's your experience been along those lines? Well, Bruce, it's interesting. The, as the market has become tighter or harder in various lines of coverage, including agriculture, there is an increased activity of captive insurance and formation. Primarily, it's driven by clients who want to fund or manage a part of their insurance risk. So I guess the bottom line is, yes, we're seeing an increase in activity. And, and really, it's really uh, businesses that feel they perform better than their peers. When you think about why should I go into a captive or risk-sharing arrangement, you want to step away from the standard insurance market and own and manage part of your insurance risk. So as the marketplace is driving higher and higher prices on various lines of coverage, it's really driving an interest of employers or business owners to say, why don't I own or manage part of the risk myself? If you think about insurance as financing a risk, you're either going to pay it to an insurance company to take 100% and you walk away, or you can own or manage part of the risk yourself and share in the premium and risk dollars and the opportunity. Really, the harder market of the, of the price increases is driving on a number of coverages in the agriculture space. And uh, Jay and I have been involved in actually licensing what we call a single parent captive and owned by an individual agriculture group, and also working with group captives where we just licensed a, a large agriculture captive last month, March, in, in Arizona for one of our clients. And, and I'm curious about you know, how you would describe the profile of a company that's maybe the best candidate for a captive. You just mentioned that it's maybe most appropriate for those that are outperforming the industry. Can you maybe define that a little bit and then expand on you know, who really makes a good candidate for, for a captive? Typically, a, a good candidate, and you have to look at a couple of things. You have to look at your historical premium and losses. How is the business performing to the amount of uh, lost dollars that you're pay, are being paid out? There's a few, just I would say, metrics or baseline measurements that you look at. If you're paying it for every dollar in premium that you're paying, what are your what are your losses? Your loss ratio as a percentage of your premium. The losses are running about 55 or 60 percent of your premium. So that's one test. If you're running hotter than that, then you're probably not a good candidate historically around that, just because of the expense loads of a captive. And another one is size. You need a certain critical mass to own your own captive because of the frictional costs of running an insurance company. If you think about a captive, what it really is is a specialty or niche insurance company. So you need to have a certain critical mass or size to cover the operating expenses of that to take risk. In that case, for single parents, you're looking typically north of one to two million in premium. Clients who participate in what we call group captives, they have premium below that, but they're sharing risk with other agriculture accounts or others in the same industry segment. They're typically a minimum of three to five million in premium on the group as a whole. So there's size, there's losses. 
There's also coverage issues. The insurance market is getting hard where certain lines of coverage are just disappearing. The clients just can't buy the coverage, whether it's pollution, catastrophic coverages we're seeing such as wind, other areas of liability, especially on the foodborne illness side, where the marketplace is simply just driving deductibles so higher limits that from a coverage standpoint, it's just not there. So a captive is used to fill gaps in coverage. I was inclined to add also to that profile of a candidate is, is a client that obviously is outperforming in terms of profitability. So it's not, it's not an account that's loss prone and isn't spending a lot of money on claims activities. So to Seth's point earlier, when a company just makes the decision to become a captive, they're essentially becoming their own insurance company. Therefore, our inheriting those claims that would have otherwise been being paid by an insurance carrier. So they become the insurance companies. Typically, a successful captive or a company that becomes successful on a captive is one that has a risk management-minded approach to uh, managing their business. So they take very seriously the types of mitigation of claims and uh, in controlling the claims. They want to have a, a real stable profitability and, and premium output so they're not looking for big swings in their annual premiums, and they can control that component. So it doesn't work for everyone, but if you have a client company that's interested in managing all these different facets of their company and then and enjoying the profits associated with keeping claims down, that that's that's a really good indicator that the captive is going to fit for that type of an organization. And I agree. And to think about it from an insurance placement, you're really underwriting management if you think about it, because the management commitment to preventing losses and then when they do happen to manage those losses cost effectively is, is key. If you're just looking at if the employer or the business owner is just looking at insurance as a way just to pass, just to fund risk without being active in safety and loss control, it tends not to work. You're not going to achieve the financial goals of a captive. You have to have a commitment and have a team, whether it's you know the Alliance Risk Management Services and Ag we've seen, or, or internally or a combination, a real commitment to, to risk management, safety, loss control, because you're really financing that risk. And it's the layer, it's that working layer of risk that typically goes into the captive and you buy excess protection from the insurance market, but you're, you're really taking on the concept that me, that me as a business owner, that I can manage or put resources to managing and mitigating risk in my business operation. I know it better than anyone else, and I'm going to help manage those risk dollars and share in the rewards of that. So that, that commitment by management is essential. So you've hit on a couple of real interesting things there. From the dollars and cents standpoint, in terms of outperformance of their peers, uh, you also touched on what, what I would consider maybe the personality of the company or the personality of management in terms of their risk management focus. What about risk tolerance from that personality standpoint of a company? How, you know, what, what can you talk about in terms of is it a concern um, to take on too much risk or how? You know, how can that be dealt with when evaluating a captive on the part of a company? That's a really good question because it, there's no one factor in, in funding a captive or just structuring it. You have to have somewhat of an entrepreneurial spirit to do a captive to fund it. And there is capital required, just like funding any investment in an, any company, you're really funding an insurance company. So there's a capital requirement. In addition, you have to fund what level of risk that the employer or the business thinks they can manage. And what does the data show statistically that should go into the captive? So 
you have to have a commitment not only for year one, but for years two, three, four, and five. If you think captive is not a short-term play to lower your premium, it's a long-term play to manage your total cost of risk and lower your costs. You not, may not pay less premium year one, year two, year three. Because when you think about funding a captive, you're funding it's really three components when you fund a captive. It's your projected losses, your operating expenses of running the captive, plus whatever collateral you have to put up or capital to fund the captive or collateralize with what we call a fronting company of an A-rated paper in front of it. You typically need a, a name brand insurance company for regulatory reasons or lender reasons. So there's a collateral requirement, just like in a large deductible policy. So if you think about those three elements of funding, you have projected losses you're paying for, operating expenses, and collateral. So then the question is from the business owner standpoint, what's the net cost of that versus what they're paying now in the marketplace? And am I going to fund that? Do I have the ability to fund that for several years as the collateral builds up and, and levels off? So there's a risk tolerance, the ability, how much risk am I going to take on? What's the cost of that risk? And that's not static. That can change from year to year as the owner builds up surplus or capitalization. That can They can take on more risk over time. But you have to have a mindset. You need to be willing to fund that risk. Now, the flip side of that is the owners are already paying for that today anyhow. When you pay a premium, a dollar a premium, you're paying for that risk transfer to an insurance company. So what really is you're saying, I'm going to take a portion of the risk transfer dollars I'm paying out to an insurance company and put it in my own company. I'm going to make an investment in that company, an investment in my business that I can perform as well or better than if I'm paying to the insurance company. Any money left over stays with my captive insurance company. So that's, that's the economic bet that they're making. I was just going to make a comment that th there's going to be expense and uh, and money output that they wouldn't be necessarily taking on in a standardized market. But, you know, to Seth's point, there is some trading of the dollars that occurs. And, and so I think there needs to be some degree of economic wherewithal within a company in order to get through those first several years of building a captive and managing those expenses that, that come with a captive and funding for losses and taking on those retention layers that they may not have had to take on to the same extent in the, in the standardized market. So if a company is short on liquidity and cash and or short on just you know money in general, cap may not work in, in the short run for them, but it is a great solution if, if there is a strong financial basis to the company. Good point. It kind of goes back to that profile we were talking about on the optimum candidate for a captive. So a strong balance sheet probably should be on that list as well. I'd like to move the conversation in a slightly different direction. You talked earlier about kind of two basic types of captives, a single parent and a group captive. If a company is interested in exploring captives, what, what should they think about in terms of looking at single parent versus group? So the single parent captive is typically the well-capitalized, larger company or company that has north of a million in standard premium on their own. In addition to that, they may have a number of operating entities inside of the captive group itself. There could be multiple or business unit. It doesn't have to be just one company. It could be, we call a brother-sister relationship or sibling, where you have a no, number of operating entities in the same economic family. They would have to think about the ability to take on that risk themselves and share that and have that, that capitalization. And they would not be sharing risk with anybody outside of their economic family. There's a trade-off in that it's, it's strictly insular to their own experience. 
the, the flip side of that is, or the downside is there has to be an element of what we call quote insurance, where there has to be risk transfer, risk distribution. So you need to make sure that there's an element of insurance risk sharing among the operating entities. The group captive is typically we see with mid-size, small, mid-size clients, as Jay was talking about in terms of size and liquidity, or clients who do not have, do not want to take the risk into capitalizing or funding their own insurance company. It's sort of a, a mid a mid step in for the larger companies or an all in for a mid sized company. Where you sharing risk, and it can be either with the same industry group or segment, or with various industry groups or segments. So that's another issue on groups. If you're getting into a group captive, who are you sharing risk with? The positive side of it is you, you're not having to fund it all yourself, and you get a share of risk and the expenses with other people. The downside is you have to share risk with other people too. So look at who you're getting into business with. And if they're in the same industry segment as you or same, let's just say agricultural, similar industry and type, you probably have more comfort level because the risk profile of the accounts or the businesses are very similar. There might be peers in your industry and you know what you're sharing risk with other types of business you are. But there are group captives where they have a host of industries. You can have everything from sheet metal to manufacturing to retail. And in that situation, the risk profile of the accounts are different. And you may have some higher hazard industries in your captive that you may not be comfortable with sharing risk. Because one of the things on the group captive is, well, there's always a component of the business captive. There is a requirement to share risk among the members. So that's a plus. And that's a minus, and you just have to be buyer beware. Look at who you're you're being asked to share this risk with. So let's say that uh, my company is interested in in looking at a captive, be it single parent, be a group. What would a typical timeline be, Seth and Jay, for just kind of start to finish? Of I'm interested today, and that's the start. Finish being I'm I'm in some sort of a captive. What kind of timeline do you typically see? This is Jay. I mean, it ranges. It ranges d- depending upon the complexity of the of the company in terms of maybe the the different numbers of coverage uh, lines of business that would be theoretically going into a captive. But by and large, you know, we would look at around a four to six month horizon. Some of that time in that four to six months is spent in the analytical stages of of doing what we call a feasibility study. And basically, with a feasibility study, we we look at their historical experience of the company, and we work with our, our in-house actuaries to to look at both the adverse and the expected loss projections. And that number is really the foundation for what we would refer to as the loss pick, what would be expected to be paid in losses in a given year. So we spend a good amount of due diligence in the first 30 to 45 days working on feasibility study. That document is not only gives us an idea of the funding component of an expense component of a captive, but it's also the a requirement of, of most of your uh, domiciles where the uh, or all of your domiciles where the captive is, is going to be housed, whether it's offshore in a Cayman Island or or domestically at Arizona or Vermont. It doesn't make any difference. You still need a feasibility study. That would be the first piece of that. And then there's the implementation phase, which can take 30 to 45 days, depending upon the domicile and uh, how well put together the business plan is. So there's a amount of time spent in the early analytics, some time spent in the implementation phase. And all of that, generally speaking, takes four to six months. That's generally what one would expect going into the captive. And, and that's a, a very 
pretty standard timeline, Bruce, on starting to say a single parent captive on that. And also if somebody or a group of business owners want to start their own group captive, similar timeline, they'd have to share data and, and do that. The quicker time frame is if a client wants to walk into an existing group and there are existing groups in the agriculture space, group captives where there are captive, I would say managers, promoters with the right phrases, but they have group captives where an agriculture client can't just walk into them. It's a lot like a standard insurance placement where you provide all the data to that facility, they will give you a price and their collateral requirements for that. And that's very similar to just a standard placement. So that you're not building anything or owning, it's a prepackaged set. You get the service providers, claims administration, the investment manager, that's a prepackaged set of services you're walking into, but it's basically similar to a, a standard placement. Much of the work that we do is in with clients who want to build and own and manage their own captives and that it's a control issue versus capital. They have capital. They just like to own and manage their own captive. And we have clients on both group captive and single parent captives uh, that we, and it's more niche focused and focused on specific segments in the industry. Jeff and Jay, I want to thank you very much for spending some time with me talking about captives today. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon. For all you listeners out there, for more information, please go to www.alliant.com.